Thursday to you. We are y'all talking about what's going on across the South, sometimes across the nation. If it has a Southern connection, we certainly cover all of that. We're back here on this almost end of the work week edition of the Y'all Show. If you want to get involved, we welcome your feedback as we have our email address open, and I'm checking it constantly throughout the show. M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We also have our text lines open, 615-208-4184. Hope y'all doing well. Yes, as I said, we're almost to the end of the work week, but if you are catching this show and you're working on this Thursday, now don't think that you can slack up now. You got to keep on working and get that job done perfectly. Maybe if you do such a good job on this Thursday, boss man will come around and say, you know what? I better correct myself. Boss man or boss or boss woman. Let's just say boss person. No, I'm not politically correct. The boss man comes around and says, you know what? You did such a good job today, Bubba or Bubbette. Uh, just take off Friday. We don't, we, we'll be fine without you. You enjoy your Friday. Okay, maybe maybe that'll happen. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be counting on it, though. So we've got this Thursday lined up for you here on today's Y'all Show. we got our headlines from across the South. We've got some state news coming in from the states of Tennessee and North Carolina that we'll share with you as we go across the headlines of the region today. Also, we'll tell you a story that's coming out of Georgia as First Lady Jill Biden She's going to hang out in the state of Georgia for the next two days. Why is she hanging out in Biden country? Well, it kind of sort of is, right? It went blue in 2020, or it supposedly went blue. We'll let you know about that. Kristen Welker is going to interview Donald Trump for her Meet the Press debut. We'll tell you more about this new person hosting Meet the Press as Chuck Todd, the Floridian, steps aside as the Meet the Press host. And now Welker comes in. I think she's a Philadelphia lady. We'll find out a little bit more about her big interview with a guy that went to college right there in Philly, Donald J. Trump. Also, Delta Airlines is going to restrict their Sky Club access. If you've got a special privilege within Delta Airlines rewards, you need to listen closely when we get to that announcement later on in our news headlines today. Down in Mobile, Alabama, the federal government, they just don't have enough to do, evidently. So, the Bureau of Land Management has renamed a rural road of which nobody even lives on in Mobile County. Why would they do such a thing? Mm, Political correctness, maybe? I'll tell you about it. Churchill Downs, racing is going to resume there. We've got the information on that. From Knoxville, Y'all remember the guy, Oliver Anthony, the guy behind Rich Men North of Richmond? (sighs) I'm starting to think something's not quite right with this guy. He has uh, moved a concert scheduled for Knoxville, and I'll give you the details on what's going on with this fella. A guy that doesn't have any problems showing up, it looks like, and his team showing out. Deion Sanders, as well as his two sons that play for him at Colorado Shadour and Shallow, are going to star in a new KFC commercial. And I'll give you the update on prime time. Prime time and and boys going to be pumping up chicken for KFC. I wonder what that's going to be about. Great news if you're a Mississippian. You've now joined Alabama, South Carolina, and of course Texas. You've got you a new Bucky's underway. 
and I'll let you know about the first location of Bucky's in the state of Mississippi. All that's going to be coming up on today's news headlines. Plus, here in this opening hour, it's time to talk football. A little college football talk from our pigskin prognosticator. Kiefer Ingles will be dropping by in just a few minutes, and he'll get us set up for the weekend. And he knows a thing or two about picking winners. So I would go to Vegas with what Kiefer has to say, or or, or at least Tunica. (laughs) We'll have Kiefer Ingles in with us in just a few minutes to help us get ready for the weekend in college football. And before this first hour is up, we will tell you all about hashtag hollowblue. That is where fun things from social media kind of find their way to our inbox, and we share it with all y'all. And today, as part of our hashtag hullabaloo, we're going to talk about something that ties into the port of Savannah, Georgia. Did you have any idea that this port right there on the Savannah River is one of the busiest in the country? Exactly what number it is? I'll tell you. Surprising numbers for the port of Savannah, Georgia. Yeehaw there on the, what do they call that? The coastal empire of Georgia. Just across the river from South Carolina is where Savannah is located. We'll tell you all about it as part of our hashtag hullabaloo hour number one. Hour number two today, in addition to headlines, we've got our Nashville Music Line report. And if you want to go see this new Taylor Swift concert movie thingy, guess what? In some cases, you can rent the whole place out and have one heck of a party for your little ones or your grown folks. That might be a good thing for the Senior Citizens Club to go to a Taylor Swift concert at the local movie theater. You, you can do that. Nothing wrong with senior citizens loving Taylor Swift. I know your, 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 your Swifties out there. Got my eye on you. <laughs> but we'll tell you about that in our entertainment report today coming up in hour two. Plus, Nelly has found love. The singer from, I think he's from St. Louis. We'll tell you about Nelly and an announcement of tour dates for 2024 for the king of country music, George Strait. We'll tell you all about that. And is he going to be coming to a town near you? Ooh, for your sake, I, I sure hope he does. All that's coming up in our Nashville Music Line Report in hour number two. We also have food on our mind in hour two. We've got our Southern Recipe of the Day. And today, oh goodness, it's going to be 14 foods every Southerner should have in the pantry. And this comes to us from the website allrecipe.com. 14 foods every Southerner should have in the pantry. And we're going to get you to pull out a pen and paper and go through your pantry as we go through this article. And if you don't have 13 of the 14 foods in your pantry, we're going to deport you. That's coming up hour two. Hour three today, we've got, in addition to headlines, our Southern Travel Report. Festivals in the South. What's going on this weekend? Well, let me give you a little heads up. We're going to be talking about Paw Paw. And it ain't the one that might be your grandfather. Are y'all familiar with Paw Paws? Well, there's a festival for Paw Paws coming up. And if you don't know what a Paw Paw is, well, hang on. I'll tell you hour three. And it, again, has nothing to do with what you might call a grandfather. It's got something to do with a tree. That's coming up. Plus, do you know what the term S-U-P is? This weekend in West Virginia, it's going to be a whole bunch of SUP going on. I'll tell you what that is. It, it means stand up paddleboard in case you just can't wait till hour three. <laughs> Got a great event in 
the Mountain State coming up this weekend. Plus, we'll let you know about a Songwriters Fest going on in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Lovely little arts town on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And they've got some great songwriters assembled in, I always get this wrong, Jackson County. Hancock, Harrison, Jackson. Yeah, it's technically across the bridge from Biloxi, so it's technically Jackson County, Mississippi. Ocean Springs is where we'll take you for their Songwriters Festival going on this weekend. If you need a neat little escape, that might be a great place to go this weekend. Plus, they'll be celebrating apples in the state of North Carolina this weekend. We'll let you know all about this in our Festive South feature, Southern Travel Report. Plus, we'll let you know what's up at y'all.com before we get out of here on today's Y'all Show. Let's dive into a few of the news headlines today. And as I told you, we got some state news to tell you about. First off, in the volunteer state, the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, has said that there would be no new COVID-19 vaccination or mask mandates in the future for Tennesseans. Now, the number of COVID-19 cases in Tennessee on the rise, but according to the governor on Wednesday, he said that there's not going to be a requirement that you be vaccinated or that you have to wear a mask. New COVID-19 vaccines are available in Tennessee and around the country, frankly, this week. The CDC recommended the updated shots this week. The vaccines will target the strains going around, according to the CDC. COVID-19 hospitalizations rose about 9% this last week, but it's still lower than last winter's peak, thank goodness. Governor Lee on Wednesday in Nashville said that there will be no vaccine or mask mandates, adding that Tennessee learned in the last time around that the government does not need to tell people how to live their lives with regard to their personal health. Those are decisions that need to be made, and that's the way it will be going forward. The CDC urges everyone ages six months and older to get the vaccine. It will be covered by public and private insurance plans. Yeah, this one is not going to be free for most people. You're going to have to pay out of your pocket. But at least in Tennessee for now, Governor Lee says in the state of Tennessee, he's not going to require you to get that vaccination. I wonder what states would be requiring that. And again, is that even legal? Speaking of states and legal processes, Governor Roy Cooper on Wednesday in the state of North Carolina appointed an appellate judge and longtime voting rights attorney to the North Carolina Supreme Court. Allison Riggs will replace outgoing North Carolina State Supreme Court Justice Michael Morgan. He resigned last week from the North Carolina Supreme Court. Republicans have a 5-2 majority on the North Carolina State Supreme Court. And this new appointee, Allison Riggs, is a Democrat. And she replaces that Democrat in Justice Morgan. Allison Riggs has been serving on the North Carolina Court of Appeals. And that's a position the governor appointed her to last December. She's 42 years old, and she is going to become the youngest woman to ever serve on North Carolina's highest court. And she is a University of Florida alumna. Chomp, chomp. A new state Supreme Court. Again, a Democrat she is filling in for another Democrat on this highest court in the old North state. First Lady Jill Biden will be a Georgia resident at least for the next 48 hours. She's going to kick off a two-day visit to Georgia today as she's going to deliver remarks for the Biden Victory Fund on this Thursday evening. And she's going to visit Emory University Friday as part of the 
Emory University's Cancer Moonshot. That's an effort to highlight the launch of the first project funded through the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, ARPA-H. And that aims to use mRNA technology to train immune systems to fight cancer and other diseases more effectively. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden met with the Cancer Cabinet not long ago and announced a $240 million investment to prevent, detect, and treat cancer. Now, if Joe Biden and Jill find a way to stop cancer, I'll vote for them in 2024. Okay? So, pressure's on you. Maybe I shouldn't go as far as to say I'll vote for them. I'll support them staying in the race. Right now, man, the Democrats are starting to turn on Papa Joe. They don't think he's going to have the moxie to get across the finish line in 2024. A lot of them are. I won't say they're ready for the mutiny quite yet. But, uh, man, it's not looking too good. And I think a lot of this stems from Republicans and their effort this week to have an impeachment inquiry. Not necessarily going to have a vote to impeach him, but just starting to do the the legwork to get the evidence. And some of the Democrats are starting to it's starting to tighten up a little bit. So we'll find out what uh, happens there. But again, it looks like the Bidens do have cancer on their mind. And hey, anybody, no matter the party, no matter the country, I'd vote for Kim Jong-un if he, <laughs> if he found a way to stop cancer. By the way, he's been in the news as he went up to Russia the last couple of days. What am I talking about? You know what I need to talk about? I need to, when, I, when I start getting crazy, the best the deterrent to not sound crazy is to talk about Donald Trump. Okay, so I will. The former president is going to give his first broadcast network interview since leaving office. That's right. He hasn't been on NBC. He hasn't been on ABC. He hasn't been on Fox. And I wonder if it's his decision or if it's been those big networks purposely keeping him away. That wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. But he's going to sit down with Kristen Welker She's the new Meet the Press host, taking over for Chuck Todd. And Trump there and his golf club in New Jersey at Bedminster is going to talk today to Kristen Welker, and that will debut on Meet the Press on Sunday. Trump last appeared on Meet the Press when he was president back in 2019. And so, yes, he might call in on channels like Fox News at times or Newsmax but he hasn't been on the big three or okay big four if you include Fox the broadcast channel Fox and so we'll find out how Kristen Welker does she takes over for Chuck Todd making her debut Sunday now Trump has actually praised Kristen Welker she moderated the second presidential debate between Trump and Biden back in 2020 and I remember that he, he took time to say good job and I think she did a, a fairly good job the Pennsylvania native Kristen Welker taking over for the Floridian Chuck Todd on NBC if you're a Delta Airlines frequent flyer the Atlanta based airline says it plans to cap the number of entries to its Sky Clubs starting February 1st of 2025 For holders of the American Express Platinum Club as well as the Delta Reserve American Express Card, 
Those holding the Platinum card will be allowed six visits per year, while the Delta Reserve card holders will get 10 annual visits. For you frequent flyers, this may be shocking news to you. It really will be because I know that some of you live in these lounges and airports, but if you've been enjoying the free meals, the alcohol, and the quiet place to relax before your flight, cutbacks are coming from Delta Airlines. Those who book a basic economy ticket will no longer be allowed in the lounge starting January 1st of 2024. Come on, Delta! And that happened, that's going to happen whether you carry the Platinum card or any kind of Delta premium credit card. I think I'm going to have to start flying Southwest. The Platinum card has been American Express's most popular product. It's got a very high annual fee. I need to pull out my I don't even know what kind of card I got. I just I just want to make sure it works. <laughs> but yes, there has been free lounge access to Delta's Sky Club members. But a lot of these changes happening. Again, it won't start till 2025. But if you're going to be fly, flying the friendly skies, Delta Airlines just might restrict you in its Sky Club airport lounge. You, you might want to check with Delta. And don't complain to me take it up with Atlanta, Georgia. Okay? We'll have more headlines as we go on on today's Y'all Show, but we're going to take a time out here and we'll have football on our mind when we come back from the break. Kiefer Ingalls is here, the pigskin prognosticator, and we're going to break up and break down some of the big college football games going on this weekend. It's time for that Tennessee-Florida game. There's some other biggies out there going on this weekend. We'll tell you all about it. version of coming to your city that's got Darius Rucker, the Gamecock alumni, alumnus, sorry, Darius, and it's got the University of uh, Louisiana Monroe alumnus, Laney Wilson there singing, coming to your city, not bad. We got Kiefer Ingalls, we're back here on the Y'all Show, getting ready for college football to return, and actually is back here on this Thursday with a handful of games. You got Miami hosting the Wildcats, I believe Bethune-Cookman is. They've got them coming down to Hard Rock Stadium. And then the Memphis Tigers will be at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium on this Thursday, hosting the Midshipmen of Navy in an American Conference opener for the Tigers. So, Kiefer, how'd you do last week? Man, it was a good week. You know, my old Miss Rebels, they got a nice victory. They were losing at halftime by seven, but they came back and rolled in the second half, so that was a good one to watch. 
Um, other than that, it was a great week of college football, like every week of college football is. Had a lot of big, big time games, a lot of big proving ground games. Notre Dame beat up on NC State by 21. Uh, Utah came on top of uh, Baylor. Tennessee struggled a little bit against Austin P. And they're going. They got a pretty big matchup this week, so I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit. We are indeed. And in fact, if y'all have got something college football related to bring up to Dr. Ingles, feel free to do that here, courtesy of our show. As we are back here talking sports, you know, I've actually had a ban on sports this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I have. I've been angry at sports. But we'll let you on here for a few minutes. And, <laughs> well, I'm happy to break that ban. And talk about college football. I got something Major League Baseball I've got to throw in there before we get done here today. But let's talk about this Friday matchups we've got. We've got Virginia and Maryland. I'd love to see this old ACC rivalry back. Now that Maryland moved over to the Big Ten, they're yeah. going to be playing Friday at College Park, the the Hoos and the Terps. Also, you got Army with a matchup in San Antonio. Poor Army, they have to play the worst schedule because they're still an independent. Mm-hmm. And hey, UTSA, you know they're pretty they're pretty stout. So are they? Yeah, they so are. It's going to be a tough tough challenge for the Jeff Munkins Black Knights. Indeed. And then we've got Air Force and a Mountain West battle for them at Falcon Stadium going up against Utah State on Friday. Then a whole bunch of games come Saturday. Boston College barely beat an FCS team this past weekend. I think it might have been Fordham or somebody like that. No, uh, it may have been Fordham. I know South Carolina struggled a little bit against With Furman. Furman. I thought Furman would win that game. <laughs> they look good. They did win the first half, but unfortunately for me, the Paladins just couldn't come through in the end. That's okay, though. So, BC tries to get a, a, a win in the ACC, and it's not going to be easy. they got the number three team in the country coming to Chestnut Hill, Florida State. This is an early game on ABC. Yeah, and I don't know if, you know, Boston College is going to have that great of a day. Um, Florida State, they've been playing lights out all year. They're 26-point favorites. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they eclipse that 26-point number. I mean, Boston College, like you said, they struggled last week against the FCS team. Florida State... They haven't struggled much at all in the last two years, so no. we'll see how that Has Mike Gorvell got this program back? Oh, yeah. He's got it back, okay. for sure. They're back in the – I mean, obviously, they're number three, ranked number three. I don't know when the last time that was, but Norvell, he's got it <clears> and I don't completely look, turned around. I don't want to look ahead too much, but they got Clemson coming up soon. They do. I mean, you know, th- that game is not as uh, scary <laughs> as it used to be, but you still can't overlook the Clemson Tigers. They're obviously going to be looking to fight that, back. That game's at Death Valley, but still, Norvell, Kiefer said they're back, so I'm going to have to take his word. An intriguing game going on at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. It's an 11 o'clock Stark Vegas time kick between number 14 LSU and Mississippi State. MSU holding on against Arizona in the week two contest they had yep. there and, and won that in overtime. This one's going to be an early game on ESPN. Yeah, so LSU, obviously they lost that first game against Florida State, um, but Florida State is probably one of, the, they're one of the top three teams in the country, so... That's not nothing to be too ashamed about, but for LSU fans, you're definitely going to be ashamed about it. You know, starting off the, the year with a loss is not great. Coming down to Mississippi State, Mississippi State's two and zero, but that two and zero is you know not as impressive. Did you see the way that Mississippi State won their game against yes. Arizona? Yes. Wild ending there. It really was. Arizona trying to get a first down, and the guy must have been a. a I thought it was a millimeter away from yeah. and it wouldn't have proven that they would have won the game but at least they would have been able to keep going and possibly take it to a third overtime i right. think that was a second overtime game i want to say it was just the one the first the first overtime um that was 31 or 30 to 24 i yeah. believe right. um but a wild game if you get a chance to go back and watch that also a game going on at como missouri's got kansas state uh, kind of a 
odd matchup there. Number 15, K-State comes over to SEC country with a game against Missouri. Yeah, so K-State, you know, every year they've got a, a road game against an SEC team. Good. Year, yeah, a couple years back, they uh, came down to Davis Wade Stadium and beat Mississippi State on the road. Um, Kansas State, these guys got some firepower. Missouri, not so much. I think Drinkwitz last year, that's uh, Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri's head coach, he got a little too involved in the social media, a little bit too involved in the trash talk um, with no ability to back it up. I mean, zero ability to back it up. So we'll We'll see how Missouri fares this weekend. I expect Kansas State to roll. It's a, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Take that all day. All right. Um, do you have CW Network on your television? Do. You do? Okay, do. well, guess what? They have games. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they have the ACC games. And this weekend, if you're scrolling around looking for a great contest, NC State will be on the CW Network at 2 Eastern, 1 o'clock Central. They're going to be taking on the... Marching Keydets of VMI. Oh, yeah. And that will be on the CW Network. The Keydets, baby. That's right. The Keydets <laughs> out of Lexington, Virginia. Notre Dame will be back on TV, of course, on Peacock this weekend. They're ranked number nine in the country. Is Notre Dame back? Hey, Speaking I, of NC State, they walloped. The they walloped Bulls. NC State. And it was a Notre Dame was a six-point favorite going into that game. Of course, they beat them by 21. Um, if you listened to our episode last week, uh, we pretty much called that we said Notre Dame was going to roll um Notre Dame they play Central Michigan this week this is you know a game that could be very easily overlooked for them they've got Ohio State next week so we're going to have a potentially a top 10 matchup Ohio State versus Notre Dame next week and we'll be able to answer a ton more questions about both of those teams Ohio State and Notre Dame both you know they haven't played two competitive opponents yet but those two going against each other is going to be some great TV so I kind of get the feeling you're going to go with the Irish over the Chippewas. Oh yeah, I mean they'll, it could be 40 points okay. plus. <laughs> well, this is a rivalry game for at least one of these two schools this weekend at Sanford Stadium. The number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, open up SEC play. They got the Fighting Roosters from Columbia coming over for a game between the hedges. This is a game that will happen this year. It will not happen next year. Oh, it's yeah. one of these rivalry games that are going to go away at least for one season because they just don't have enough room in the schedule to make all the rivalries keep going. And so Georgia-South Carolina on CBS. I thought CBS lost the SEC contract. I kind of thought they did, too. It may have just been the 11 o'clock. Okay. For the SEC games. I'm not sure, though. Because I know last week I saw the Big Ten on CBS. Yeah, Big Ten Big Ten noon Big Ten thing is what's on CBS. on CBS. All right. Well, according to my website, CBS has got this game between the Dogs and the Gamecocks. Yeah, I think the Gamecock fans, they're not going to be too disappointed this rivalry's going out the window. You know, they've been getting the, the breaks. It's the only game in the SEC that's a rivalry for South Carolina. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it South is. Carolina's rivals are Georgia and Clemson. So what do they? What do they do now? And the what, Citadel. What games do they get excited about now? I mean, <laughs> South Carolina, they've had a disappointing start to the season. They had a lot of hype coming into the season after last year and the way they finished last year, beating Clemson and Tennessee. They just, you know, fell flat on their face against North Carolina. I think Rattler got sacked nine times in that game. If you're getting sacked nine times in a game, you're not winning that game, and they got, you know, the doors blown off of them. And they didn't look great against Furman Paladins last week, losing at halftime, which is – it's crazy for an SEC team. I think they actually that. got a touchdown right before the half. Was it tied at halftime? It, South Carolina got a last-second touchdown okay. to go into the locker room. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. you got to play better against these down these lesser schools to get ready for the big ones. And they're playing against Georgia this week, and it's not going to go great for them. Georgia has started off a little slow this season. UT Martin covered the spread. Ball State covered the spread. I don't know if South Carolina is going to be able to, though. It's 26, 26 and a half. Georgia's going to be rocking and rolling. 
Vladimir Putin's favorite college coach is going to be hosting the number 10 team in the country this weekend. Oh, yeah? You know who I'm talking oh, about? Oh, who's the South Florida coach? Yeah, he's from, he was born in Russia. And he's got his bulls in his, I think, first season there. The South Florida coach is born in Russia. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Born in Russia, and he's got uh, comrade Nick Saban coming in for a, a, a wild. I don't even remember South Florida playing in Tuscaloosa. Do you? You don't, I don't normally, normally it's, it's like a home, a, and home, we, home and home or two homes so. in a, in, in I deal. Mean, South Flor- Alabama going to South Florida is kind of wild. It's kind of wild. They're 32-point favorites. I mean, South Florida is not that great. Alabama, notoriously, a week after they lose, just demolishes mm-hmm. whoever they play. So, good luck. There is a connection to Tampa with the Crimson Tide. The original owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was an Alabama guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How about that? All right. The yeah. more you know. Yeah, the more you know. Thank you, sir. Bama and the Bulls will be on ABC mid-afternoon on Saturday. A battle that's intriguing going on at Chapman Stadium. That's the home of the Golden Hurricane. Tulsa welcomes in the Oklahoma Sooners. Kiefer, are the Sooners back? They look pretty good. I don't know if they're back (laughs) or not. I mean, you know, Brent Venables is the guy down there now um, after Lincoln Riley's departure over to USC. But, I mean, last season was horrendous for for the Sooner faithful. I mean, this year they scored 82 points in their opening game. Then they look a little shaky against uh, SMU this past weekend. Um, they've got Tulsa this week. They're going to Tulsa, 27-and-a-half spread. I don't know if Oklahoma's back, if I can comfortably say they're back yet or not, but their offensive coordinator's got them rocking and rolling on offense. And they well, look their defense decent. ought to be good. That's Venable's specialty. Right. And we'll find out if they're Former back or not. Rebel offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, also controversial. I'm start charging you every time you mention that uh, word. Controversial uh, son-in-law to Art Bryles. Yeah, how about that? Brought Art Bryles on the field. At the Oklahoma SMU game. I don't see game. the problem with that. Uh, he's banned from football. <laughs> well, the game was over. He's got, he can't even be there. Come on, man. He can't even be How there. How about a Big Ten team going to Tobacco Road? The Golden Gophers will be taking on UNC, which just got past Appalachian State for a second straight year. Yeah, just barely got past App State. Um, they didn't look great. UNC didn't. But they're going up to face Minnesota. Minnesota's looked okay. They had a nice against Nebraska and Eastern Michigan, but Nebraska stinks and Eastern Michigan's probably not that much better. I'd, I'd expect to see North Carolina win this game. Kiefer, we might have your fan club listening in today. Caller, go ahead. You're on the Y'all Show. John, how are you and Kiefer doing this morning? We are doing good. How can we help you? I just thought I'd call and uh, throw a little information about uh, the, um, the UT game. I'm not a UT fan at all. Well, I hadn't got to that one yet. Can you hold on just a second? Well, yeah, I guess there, so. There's more than one UT for our audience. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Tennessee, but um, just just real quick. Let's see what this, you got because you know they're not, Tennessee, although a, very good, they're not, not the highest ranked UT not, right now. It's not a prediction by any stretch. It's just kind of caution to the wind for some fans. What it amounts to is if you look back at history at UT, go back to the '60s and fast forward, you will see that they have traditionally. There's a stumbling block for them. In the, in the late 60s, it was Alabama. In the 70s and 80s, whatever, it, especially in the 90s, it was Florida. Now you move up, and it, it is Georgia now. Uh, Alabama, what recently had, what, a 15-game winning streak against them? Now, now it looks like it's, I'm not writing that one off yet. But just, it's Georgia. That's the, the hump they've got to get over now. So all I'm saying is is that Florida right now is, is kind of on it. It's trending downward, obviously. That's Severely. That's concern. Their, their concern is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs, obviously. Well, 
Georgia again with South Carolina. Tennessee, of which you have jumped ahead of us here, which is perfectly fine. Tennessee's going to be playing those Florida Gators at Ben Hill Griffin. That's an ESPN primetime game. Keeper, your thoughts on that one? Tennessee, they had a shaky game last week against Austin P. Um, it was 6-6 six to six right before halftime, which is just, I mean, unbelievable. Tennessee's got one of the most firepower and prolific offenses in the country, and they just <laughs> were nowhere to be found in that first half against Austin P. They looked somewhat better in the second half. Um, but you can't make those mistakes against uh, the Florida Gators. I mean, Austin P is a you know, inferior opponent, to say the least, and Florida is going to play better. I mean, Florida, obviously, they're having a down couple of years, and like Dave said, they are trending down. I just don't see Florida being able to hang with the Vols this week. We'll see, but if the Vols play like last week, that could be a different story. Did Florida play last week? Yes, they played McNeese, I believe. Oh, that's right. They played the Cowboys. All right. Yeah, and uh, 49-7 did not cover the spread, though. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So the Gators in Florida, the Gators of Florida and Tennessee – and I think there's a chance those two teams may not be playing next year. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Let me let me, let me confirm I I, that. I we think can... I remember seeing that. But while Kiefer's looking that up for 2024, we don't want to skip ahead too much. That other team from the Volunteer State will be rolling the dice in Vegas. Vanderbilt will be taking on the Rebels of UNLV on Saturday evening. That game will be on the CBS Sports Network. And I was giving the caller there a hard time. Texas, the other UT, ranked number four this week, and you would be ranked number four when you beat Alabama. I thought they should have been ranked a little higher than that, man. They're the significantly better team in that matchup. They've got the Red Raider busting Cowboys of Wyoming coming in to the 40 acres. Wyoming, if you did, you see that Week One game they had with Texas Tech? Yes, that's pretty wild finish there. The Cowboys coming over to Austin for a game on the Longhorn Network. That's going to be eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Austin time. Saturday evening. The Backyard Brawl renewed. That'll be a primetime game also Saturday between West Virginia and Pittsburgh. That was always a great game on Thanksgiving and then they decided to not play each other. Yeah, all the rivalry games go into the wayside now. You know, the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving. Hope that stays. Um, The Pac-12 and all that stuff. You know, the Civil War between Oregon and Oregon State. Thankfully, that's back on um, and they will continue to do that. You mean the the war between the state? What? Yeah, war between the state. You know, the Oregon. Yeah. But not states. Four between Civil War. Yeah, we'll call it the Civil War. <laughs> okay, speaking of the Egg Bowl, the team that plays in that each year, Mississippi, ranked number 17 in the country. They had an incredible finish to their game at Tulane last week. A game that they were right on the edge of losing, frankly, but they found a way to dominate in the last couple of minutes. And Georgia Tech, for the very first time, the Ramblin' Wreck come over to Vault Hemingway Stadium. And these are two teams that were once in the Southeastern Conference for 30 years. Right. But Tech never played in Oxford, and they're making their first trip to the Grove this week. Well, it should be a good game. You know, Georgia Tech, they're they're trending upwards. Last year, I think we played them at Georgia Tech, and it was 41 to nothing or 41 to 7, something along those lines. Um, pretty much a beat down. Georgia Tech's a totally different team this year, though. They got a new quarterback. They sent their quarterback that was the active FBS leader in turnovers, sent him up to Nebraska, and he continues to turn the ball over averaging three per game this year so far. So Georgia Tech, they're obviously going to be improved having that guy out of there. Um, But Ole Miss, I mean, they had a shaky start like we talked about earlier. I think it's going to be a good game down in Oxford this weekend. I'll be there. John, will you be there? No, I will not be there. (laughs) Houston's got TCU. Houston, man, did you see who they lost to last week? Uh, no, I didn't. They lost to the Rice Owls. Oh, yeah, they did. JT the Daniels, baby. JT Daniels the played Houston. for six different to, schools at this point. Yeah. Congratulations to Rice on that one as they steamed Houston. So, Rice has an elite quarterback. Like, you know who JT Daniels yeah, is? Yeah, that's who their quarterback is? Yeah. Don't they also have McCaffrey? 
Uh, his little brother. Yeah, that's what I thought. So let me I mean, tell you about decent. college football. Do you mind? <laughs> Uh, let me tell you about the Vols 2024 schedule. So they do have Florida on they the schedule, um, and it's—I mean, it's a great schedule. They've got Chattanooga to open the year. Oh, yeah. They've got, and then NC State, Kent State, the East University State. of Tennessee. I mean, you look—you look down through the schedule, and it's probably one of the easiest in the SEC for 2024. If I had to guess, Chattanooga, NC State, Kent State, UTEP. So there's four wins to start. Then you got Arkansas. Then you got Georgia. Then Oklahoma. Then Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. So having, but they don't play South Carolina. No South Carolina. They don't play no Missouri. LSU, Missouri. No Missouri. A lot of the Eastern teams are right. gone next year for right. And that's going to be the case for much of the teams as the SEC is shuffling things up for, for next year. One more game I want to ask you about before we get out of here. It does not involve the South, but, hey, it involves maybe our most famous son of the South, prime time. Prime time, It's baby. going to be the prime time game on ESPN as it's the, what do they call that, the Battle of the Rockies or something like that, Colorado and the Rams of Colorado State from Folsom Field, ESPN will have this one on Saturday evening. Yeah, they've been licking their chops, ready to get college game day to Boulder. I'm really surprised they didn't wait for next week. Colorado's got, um, well, I guess it's in Oregon, but Colorado plays Oregon next week. Really? So that would have been an electric matchup for game day. Um, but that being said, they're going. game day's going to Boulder this week for Colorado, Colorado State. First half against Nebraska last week, Colorado didn't really look that great. They had the lead, but second half, they absolutely steamrolled. I think Shadur Sanders threw for 450 again, four touchdowns. I mean, they're rolling, man. We'll see how they do against Oregon next week. I don't think Colorado State's anything to worry about for them. But Oregon, USC, Utah, they got a pretty brutal schedule. And if they come out, you know, if they beat those teams. Look out. I mean, look out. So, who is your team to watch this weekend, Keeper Ingles? I mean, Tennessee, Florida, that game's going to be probably the the better of the weekend, if I had to guess. Uh, that'll be the one that I spend most of my time watching. Actually, I won't spend any of my time watching it because it's going on the same time as Ole Miss and um, Georgia Tech. So, maybe I'll be able to pull it up on my phone on that beautiful stadium Wi-Fi of Hemingway. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad we know what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> Keeper Ingles, hey, speaking of primetime Deion Sanders, let's talk about his old employer, Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. Sir. As they became the first team, I think, in all of baseball to clinch their division. On Wednesday, they won their sixth straight NL East title, beating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-1. to So, what a what a run that the Braves have been on here lately. And Coach Snitker, or Manager Snitker, keeping the tradition going in Atlanta now, they'll usually collapse in the playoffs. But uh, historically, yeah. But Braves fans excited about a sixth straight NL East title. Yep, they look good, man. They look real good. You put your money on the Braves? I'm putting no money on any baseball. Okay. Because I'm horrible at that. Yeah. All right. Well, again, it doesn't mean anything too much right now, but it does for baseball. I do like the fact that most baseball teams put a little pin it up in their stadium. And I like going to Truist Park now and looking out there on the right hand side and seeing all those little miniature flags. Many of those I remember those years as a as a guy who was rooting for them, and uh, but Beautiful I still ballpark. But I still like the '80s Braves better. So when they were, lo- when they were losers, that's my favorite <laughs> decade. So riddle me this: I mean, you know, being a Braves fan, are, are you a big Dion fan? Did you love Dion when he was there? Yeah, I like Dion because you know he would show up in the, in at the Atlanta. They go play for the Falcons. It's unbelievable. The, and I saw I saw a clip of him the other day playing for the Falcons, and he was walking around the sideline in his Falcon uniform in a game wearing a Braves cap. <laughs> He was. I mean, I wish more than anything I could have experienced and watched that happen. Because I mean, I'm just seeing you know replays and like highlights. But, but you of what know Dion who the best doing. dual player was, don't you? I mean, is it? Are you going to say is Bo Jackson? No, he was good. I think it's Dion, but that's just me. 
Now, Dion was good, but I think the best dual player, and he, he has a connection to the Falcons and Braves, is the guy that's on the Braves network right now, Brian Jordan. Oh, yeah? He was a heck of a football yeah, player. he was. And then he was a heck of a baseball player. Brian Jordan. And there were others. But what has what Dion got? Was it, is it three Super Bowls? Yeah, but three Super Bowls, two World Series. I mean, yeah. come on, dude, it doesn't get much better than that. Are you he representing him? The same year. Are you from Well Off Media? I'd what? love to be. Okay, <laughs> what's going on with you, Kiefer? But yeah, I mean, he's got a great thing going, and I, I saw Dion run track when he was in college. Golly. I went to the Metro Conference championship and then i saw Dion play baseball for the seminoles that same weekend that he was doing that in college he was running track man and it just so happened where the metro conference track meet they had a fsu baseball series and i went and saw him play in that so he's been it's so cool doing a bunch yeah it's so cool to see him being able to coach travis hunter the you know the dual threat both sides of the ball db and receiver how cool would it be if that guy that kid was playing baseball too man he might be (laughs) Or, or, or bowling or golf or whatever I'm not going to bet against Dion. Nope. I'm nope. Not, I think they're definitely bowl bound this year, and not bad for a team that was one and ten last year. One and ten last year. Their season win total this year, coming straight out of the circuit at Vegas, was one and a half. So that's right. Is that right? <laughs> it's already, already hit. It's already hit. How about that? I mean, just ridiculous. Kiefer Ingles, man, it's always great to catch up with you, and we'll. Uh, I appreciate it, my man. Do this again to see how your weekend worked out. Good luck against the Ramblin' Wreck. We'll be back to close up this hour of the Y'all Show with a little hashtag Hollow Blues. Stay tuned. Well, I was ruling the roost and I had all the chicks to myself. And then suddenly it happened a funny little feeling I felt. Yeah, I tried to have to run it, but it finally caught up with me. But how could I run from something that I can't see? Oh, that little bitty teeny weeny thing they call the love book. Nobody's ever seen it, but it's got the whole world shook up. It all started with a little bitty kiss and a hug. All the possums going to help us wrap up our first hour of y'all on this Thursday. And we have now hashtag hullabaloo where we find things on social media. And Sarah Martin is on X with the account Strawberry Lady. She's a New York City independent filmmaker, director, and producer. And evidently she's been hanging out in the South because she's got a post up. That says Savannah, Georgia, with the hashtag of Tybee Island and hashtag Savannah. And the beautiful picture of Sarah is of her on the beach. And I love that picture, but in the background is a container ship. And that had me thinking, why would you have a picture of a container ship in your beautiful picture of your Tybee Island visit? Well, that's because the port of Savannah, Georgia, is a major seaport in America. In 2021, the port was the third busiest seaport in the entire United States. Its facilities for ocean-going vessels line both sides of the Savannah River with 18 miles inland from the Atlantic Ocean. And it's owned by the Port of Savannah by the Georgia Ports Authority. So yeah, it's a big, big port right here in the South. Now, in terms of cargo volume, the South does quite well. In terms of cargo volume at U.S. ports, the port of Houston is the largest port, according to the latest data that I have. 
And then the Port of South Louisiana comes in at number two. Port of Corpus Christi is number three in terms of cargo volume. And we're talking a lot of cargo. I think it's like uh, hundreds of millions for each of these ports. Then you got New York and New Orleans comes in at number five. Then if you work your way down to the number 13 spot on this listing, the Port of Savannah comes in number 13. So check that out for all of you involved in the trade of cargo. We got more y'all coming up. on y'all talking about what's going on across the southeast here on this thursday we've got country music news and entertainment news coming up in just a few minutes included in that george Strait has announced his tour dates for 2024 all right get ready to go see king george if you have the opportunity also nelly is in love what's going on with nelly we hadn't heard that name lately we will talk about that in our entertainment report in this second hour plus we've got our southern recipe of the day courtesy of the website allrecipe.com and actually we really don't have a recipe to go over today what we have (laughs) the 14 foods every southerner should have in the pantry and as i said earlier if you don't have 13 of these 14 foods somebody's going to come knock on your door and take you to the border between the north and the south and put you out there because you don't deserve to be a southerner I better shut up because I might only have like 10 of these 14 foods in my cabinet. We'll talk about it here as our Southern Food Spotlight is back on us here in this second hour. A reminder coming up in our third hour today, we've got a breakdown of some great festivals going on across the Southeast for this weekend. So if you don't have your weekend plans in place, we will tell you some awesome places to consider going on this mid-September weekend. We start off this hour with some news some news items of the day in fact we've got some developing stories here on this thursday coming out of a pre-trial notion motion going on in fulton county georgia it looks like for president donald trump and several others they're going to have their case there in fulton county be pushed back as the judge is considering motions that would let two defendants scrutinize evidence in the georgia election case so this ongoing thing in georgia it looks like it's going to keep on going but for trump this will not be it looks like a, a rush to judgment in fulton county at least and that is what i think is going to be welcome news in the trump camp and all those other 18 people that are part of this effort by fanny willis uh, georgia to to get trump one of the four efforts to to get trump going on and i heard in the news going into this segment about Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney on Wednesday announcing that he's not going to run for re-election of Senate, his Senate seat in the state of Utah. And I say to Mitt Romney, see ya. See ya later, Mitt Romney. And the reason he's 
leaving, he claims it's, it's time for a, a new generation to come and take over the office. Uh, I think he would be primaried. That's the main reason he's stepping down. I think he was going to, let's see, Mike Lee is the other senator from the state of Utah, I believe. He did not help Lee get elected when he was up for re-election in the last year or two. And payback was going to be brutal for Mitt Romney. And I think he saw the writing on the wall there in the Beehive State and has decided to step aside and go back and count his millions from whatever he did. I mean, he was, of course, governor of Massachusetts. How can a guy go from governor of Massachusetts to being senator of Utah? Well, he did that. And in between, he ran for president of the United States in 2012 and got beat in an election that he should have won. I mean, that was, you know, Trump's always said, that was a race we should have won in 2012. And, and Romney, in many ways, just kind of quit in the, in the weeks before election day. He just gave up. He didn't work his butt off. You got to give Trump credit. The guy might be 77 years old, but he works his tail off when he's out there on the campaign trail. He would have, like in 2020, six rallies a day all over the country I mean maybe because he's an egomaniac why he's out there doing this stuff but he he is not afraid on that 2016 election he was campaigning in Michigan even into the early morning hours of election day he was I think in Grand Rapids or somewhere like that had a big rally and he said at that time there's no way we're going to lose no way we're going to lose and he didn't lose. And uh, I think he feels the same way about 2022. But 2020, also, I should say, not 2022. It wasn't a very good 2022 midterm election for Republicans. But 2024 is coming fast. And Trump's going to have to navigate the election of 2024 with all these legal things going on for him. But the news out of Fulton County right now, it appears to be fairly good news if you're in the Trump legal camp as the judges they're having this preliminary thing going on today I still think Trump has to go back to Atlanta to be formally charged I know he got a um, he got a, uh, indicted but something about he's got to go back and be formally charged I, th- I think I saw something along those lines oh and he's got this going on in other states with all the other cases and federal charges and more and then he's got the E. Jean Carroll case that continues on and uh, tough guy how about Rudy Giuliani Trump was I, I barely even saw this thing covered Trump had a fundraiser for Rudy Giuliani and I think it was a hundred thousand dollars a plate fundraiser for Giuliani for his legal bills and that was just held this past weekend, I think at Bedminster in New Jersey. So, you know, I don't know how Rudy Giuliani, who was once a very sought-after lobbyist, could go that down that far. Yes, I know he was helping Trump and backing Trump, but you still shouldn't lose hundreds of millions of dollars, of which I think he was... It, he may not have been a billionaire, but he had to have been a, a, a multi-multi-millionaire, Rudy Giuliani. What happened to Rudy? You know, there's a CNN series. That, it's out there. 
with that same kind of title. What happened to America's mayor? I did something the other day I've not done on the anniversary of September 11th. And uh, I went down a rabbit hole for a very short time this week watching the coverage of the September 11th attack as it happened. I happened to not be near a television when all that was going on back in 2001. I was doing other things that morning. Found out what was going on, but I still didn't go drop everything I was doing to go watch what was happening in New York City and the other places the attack was going on. And even if I would have been able to, to go, I would have only seen the coverage of one place. And so there are various YouTube videos you can go down a rabbit hole like I did and, and find. And, and I found a very good YouTube channel that had clips from all the local, in, uh, all the local New York channels the, as they were doing live broadcasting, plus all the network TV people. And I had not seen that. And I saw some footage that I had never seen included in that was a local New York station was out there doing some kind of report on manholes there in New York City and the firefighter was doing the interview on camera and he looked up because a jet airplane was just above their head flying through the skyline of New York and the camera actually showed from street level looking up that plane, the first one that slammed into the World Trade Center. I, I had never seen that footage. And I didn't see a lot of the stuff that I saw. And some of that was because I, I'm, I'm selfish. I didn't want to see that stuff over these last 22 years. I, I didn't want to watch stuff that people lost their lives in. You know, I was, I was being selfish. But there comes a point in time you need to see that kind of carnage and be reminded of how terrible that day was. And it was terrible. I know that. I'm not saying it wasn't, but I have purposely, like maybe a lot of you, not really gone back and gone down the rabbit hole of watching a lot of that stuff. And it's important to do that, maybe especially with those who weren't even around in 2001. And it was educational for me, again, to see some of that footage that I'd never seen before. Let's pick up our news headlines for this Thursday Y'all Show. And we'll start off with a headline out of, speaking of what's going on with the federal government and more, the Bureau of Land Management making a headline today because this is a division of the U.S. Department of Interior. And they are getting into renaming of street names. Evidently, they are because at a place in Mobile County in Alabama, the Bureau of Land Management has changed the name of a road there without any public consent or anything. This is in South Mobile County. It's in an area near Fowl River. And there was a road there called Rebel Court. It doesn't have a single house on it. And it's a cul-de-sac in the middle of a rural field south of Mobile. But the Bureau of Land Management has gone in and changed the name of Rebel Court to Fowl River Court because the Bureau of Land Management requested it. And I don't think this is even on federal property. Now, this happens three months after the Bureau of Land Management purchased 5.1 acres surrounding the cul-de-sac 
and maybe that's why they're making this change they didn't want to have a link to the old south with their purchase maybe they're going to put a building there and they didn't want to have the address of rebel court but the spokesperson for the bureau of land management said that because of the historic connotations that's why this name change came about the name change primarily was initiated to accurately reflect the area's natural landscape characteristics and help the public identify the recreational opportunities of the newly acquired public lands in Mobile County. We also recognize the historical connotations of the name. Naming the road after the area's foremost geographic feature, Fowl River, will ensure these public lands are a welcoming place for all to enjoy the outdoors. Well, I'm a rebel, and uh, I'm not as likely to go hang out at Fowl River Court. That's not a good name, by the way, either. Let's go over to Fowl River. Uh, Rebel Court seems to be a better name, in my opinion. County officials in Mobile had no idea about the federal agency's concern about that name. It had drawn no controversy or any conversation. And county officials says that the Bureau of Land Management's request to them simply stated that the rationale for the name change was to be conducive with the cul-de-sac's proximity to Fowl River. One county commission member in Mobile County said that Rebel Court was a private road. Those are not county-maintained. It's their private property. They wanted to change the name, and I don't have an objection to it. Okay. But it sure looked good on a street sign there. All right, let's move on. Another story coming in from Kentucky. Churchill Downs. Let the races begin. As fall racing is going to begin at Churchill Downs today, as track officials are now focused on the 150th Kentucky Derby, which will be coming up in May. But the reason this is a news story about the fall racing going on at Churchill Downs is this track in Louisville has gotten a lot of heat over the last few months with all the horses that have died. And they're trying to improve their situation. Twelve horses died in a month at Churchill Downs and that forced spring racing to move to another track. And a months-long investigation has been going on by the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority and there's been nearly a 200-page report that has come out that examined multiple factors, including time horses spent on and off the track and how fast they ran. The findings were inconclusive. They don't have an answer of why so many horses died in such a short period of time at the nation's premier horse racing track. And... By the way, did you realize that Churchill Downs employs 60,000 people? It generates hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars of economic activity, according to officials with this Louisville iconic racetrack. Back open now after the controversy of losing a dozen horses earlier this year. We wish them the best, and we're getting ready for that 150th running of the roses at Churchill Downs in May. Oliver Anthony back in the news. The guy that sang the song Rich Men North of Richmond. His song 
jumped to number one. In fact, it debuted at number one on the charts. The first artist to ever, as a newcomer, debut at number one on the Billboard chart in country music and other charts. Well, Oliver Anthony was scheduled to perform at a nightclub in Knoxville, but now that show has been canceled. And it's been canceled because he got ticked off over the ticket pricing. He was going to perform next Wednesday at Cotton Eye Joe on Wednesday, I'm sorry, two weeks from now, Wednesday, September 27th, when Oliver Anthony was going to be playing in Knoxville, Tennessee at Cotton-Eyed Joe. Now, he's going to perform at the Knoxville Convention Center on Friday, September 29th. And he's moved it because of a ticket dispute. On his Instagram feed, Anthony put out there, don't buy Cotton-Eyed Joe tickets for $99 a piece. Anthony said, that besides the two shows he has already booked recently, his ticket prices for all upcoming shows are not going to be $99. They're going to be $25 each. The owner of the Cotton Eye Joe said that when the artist manager signed a contract, ticket prices were never discussed. And he said he was offended by Oliver Anthony's post, especially because no one came to him directly to express any concerns. Chuck Ward is the owner of Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville. And he said that they had negotiated a price and nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever said about charging for meet and greets also. Hmm. So this this guy, Oliver Anthony, not coming necessarily to the defense of the cotton-eyed Joe owner, but he is a complete newcomer to entertainment, to being a star. And I don't know if he really knows how this stuff works. And I'll tell you what, when you got the number one song in the country, I'm sorry, Oliver, you don't go charging $25 a show. (laughs) And that's what he's charging. And look, if he wants to go out in a pasture and put on a $25 a piece concert, that's one thing. But these people that run venues, they're not going to make it on $25 a head unless they're getting money from five other things like parking and beer and all the other things that they could charge for. So his concert run may not be that lengthy for the rich man trying to play in Knoxville. Uh, Oliver Anthony. Neat song, though. Neat story. What's also neat is what we will do as we continue on with this Thursday Y'all Show. We will come back after this break, and we've got our Nashville Music Line Report. We've got information on Taylor Swift for all you Swifties out there. Plus, Nelly has found romance. And George Strait has a la- is launching a 2024 tour. I don't think he'll be charging $25 a ticket, but I'll tell you where the George Strait tour is going to be playing. That's coming up, and before Hour 2 is in the books, we will go to allrecipe.com. They've got 14 foods every Southerner should try or should have in their pantry, and then they could try it. So if you don't have these foods in your pantry, you, you, you ain't a Southerner, according to allrecipe.com. We'll be right back with more of the show that shakes the Southland. Well, it's a 
dreams you hold so long and hard get broke and not fulfilled. Well then let go, baby, let the wind blow through your hair. You can't walk around in chains and ever get nowhere. Something or someone is telling you it's over and done. Outside the free wind blows, let go. Oh, what a great song from 1993. 30 years ago, Ricky Lee and his brother Doug of Kentucky Headhunters fame broke off to form a duo on the Asylum imprint, and that was their debut there. Brother Phelps, if you want a cool music video video to watch, go check out that one for Brother Phelps as they rode around. I guess it would have been uh, somewhere in Middle Tennessee or in Western Kentucky on their motor choppers, (laughs) having a good time with that air blowing in their beautiful hair at that time. Hadn't heard much of Brother Phelps, either one of them, the last few years. Maybe you need to catch up with them. Kentucky Headhunters, great music they had back in the early 90s. Speaking of country music, we're going to keep the entertainment spotlight going right now in this second of our Thursday Y'all Show Hour number 2. We've got the news out of not just Nashville, but all of entertainment land. And how about the Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour? That is a concert film that's going to be coming out soon. And if you can't make it to a Taylor Swift concert, then at least you can watch the concert film. Cinemark has announced that Taylor Swift fans can now host private viewing parties for this forthcoming film. So you can rent out a whole movie theater and have all your buddies or if you're a young girl, all your gal pals, come out and have your own sort of Taylor Swift concert. That's actually a pretty good idea. Cinemark, in a statement, said that they're excited to offer fans the ultimate Taylor Swift concert film VIP experience in their own private Cinemark auditorium. Our larger-than-life screens and captivating, captivating surround sound Deliver a most enchanting environment to sing and dance along with friends and family to the concert of the decade. Now, this era's tour that Taylor Swift is on has racked in tons of tons of money throughout the country and beyond. And now, this film is coming out October 13th. This concert film, so you can act like you're there. According to AMC Theaters, the movie broke records for single-day advance ticket sales with $26 million in tickets sold on August 31st alone. Tickets for the private Swifty parties for up to 40 people, that's going to cost $800 plus taxes and fees were applicable. The private theater sales available now along with standard and individual tickets at Cinemark.com or go to the Cinemark app This is a really interesting way of selling out movie theaters. And if you're a parent and you've put on a party lately, asking $800 for 400 people, or rather $800 for 40 people, is not necessarily the worst news of the day. That's 20 bucks a person to go in and have a party and if you 
got the money, you will not be trying to pass that on to the other kids coming to a party. You'll just eat it. 800. And uh, if you're in the category of someone like me, you just split it with your baby mom <laughs> or, or baby daddy. So $400 for one heck of an experience. Yeah, that's, that's probably worth it. And I mean, what, what, I mean, especially young girls, what young girl does not like Taylor Swift? And most guys like Taylor Swift. I've had my problems with Taylor Swift because she's abandoned Nashville. She's gotten real liberal. But man, some of her songs are pretty neat. And even some of her pop stuff, I've gone and watched many Taylor Swift videos in a row here lately. And they're pretty neat I mean she's got if I can just be bold and say a hell of a talent for a freaking Pennsylvania girl that was you know we'll just say she was she became a woman in Hendersonville Tennessee when she moved to Middle Tennessee we'll give Tennessee a lot of the credit for Taylor Swift's success but if you want to have a party you need to find if there's a Cinemark theater near you and there you can rent out for 800 big ones a party for 40 people to watch the Taylor Swift The Eras Tour concert film which makes its debut here October 13th just about a month away Swifties will be packing into movie theaters now another entertainment story of the day here on y'all talk with an accent on the south the Morning Show. Have y'all seen that one? That's got a good Middle Tennessee in it. Reese Witherspoon. I have watched seasons one and two of this Apple TV series, The Morning Show. And The Morning Show in the news because it makes its detours into stupid situations and crazy corners with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston starring in it. And now it is about to come out, I guess, an, another episode, another series of The Morning Show headed for Apple TV. It begins its third season this week on Apple TV Plus. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing up. I've got an Apple TV, and you've got to subscribe to get Apple TV Plus. And the third season of The Morning Show is debuting this week. And it's a good show. I really like it. It's got Jennifer Aniston and Witherspoon and Juliana Margiles is on there too. It's a it seems to be a pretty realistic look behind a television morning show, like a network, like a Today Show. And I guess it was partly created because of all the controversy with the, the Today Show and Matt Lauer, and this this whole series kind of follows something along those lines and then it also has to do with COVID because it it goes on right when COVID has an outbreak so it's really this is the first television show or movie or anything that I've watched that has anything to do with 2020's COVID outbreak so it's pretty creepy to go back and watch this series which was shot after of course maybe it was shot in 2021 22 to see that it's a a rather rude awakening of reality 
the morning show. Check it out. I, I give it a big thumbs up. And in that series, the Tennessee native Witherspoon plays the role of sort of a country bumpkin TV anchor from West Virginia that somehow finds her way on network television. And she does a heck of a job, by the way. And there's nothing wrong with country bumpkins. I consider myself one. But, you know, they don't have a lot of people on network television, especially on the big four, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, that that sound like me, that sound like country bumpkin Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) Let's talk about a guy who doesn't really sound like a country bumpkin, and he doesn't sing like one, I don't think. Rapper Nelly. Rapper Nelly out of St. Louis, he and singer Ashanti are back together after more than 20 years after they were first a couple. They were together in 2003 and then split up a decade later, but now they appear to be together again. Ashanti and Nelly attended this week's MTV VMA Awards where Nelly was performing and they seem to be all cuddly with each other. During an interview with E! News, Ashanti said she thought the bag that she was holding, the clutch, I think it's what it's called, was cute and asked if she and Nelly were in a relationship again. And after some laughing, she responded about the hot in here star. She said, I mean, yeah. Nelly also came clean during a recent appearance with Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. And he said bad English here, bad English alert Nelly said, we cool again I think it surprised both of us it wasn't anything that was planned The Shade Room posted a clip of Nelly's confirmation on Instagram and Ashani hopped hopped in the comments, she wrote hey at Nelly okay, so lovers, back together, Nelly by the way if you don't know much about Cornell Ira Hayes Jr., a.k.a. Nelly. He was born in... I said it, I thought he was from St. Louis. But he was born in Austin, Texas. He was born in 1974. He is 48 years young. And he grew up in St. Louis. That's right. He grew up in uh, St. Louis as part of the Southern hip-hop group St. Lunatics. And ended up having that start with like so many people I was talking about Country Bumpkins earlier Nelly's debut album was called Country Grammar that came out way back in 2000 and it ended up going to number 3 on the Billboard 200 and ended up fueling his music career with TV and film roles and has been a very very successful guy through the years he was on several episodes of CSI New York and then he was on the reality TV series The Next as well as on the reality series Nellyville and he was even on Dancing with the Stars some of you may know Nelly from that and then the films Reach Me and The Longest Yard as well as Snipes. Nelly in love with Ashante. Congratulations to the Love Birds. Now, let's tell you a little bit about Kelsey Ballerini, the country music singer from Knoxville. 
has a new show and she's going to headline her hometown's Thompson Bowling Arena. She's going to be playing in Knoxville November 2nd and that's going to be right at the one year anniversary of her divorce. So she'll be getting over the heartache of divorce in her hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. Headlining where the Tennessee Vols play basketball. Her, she and her dog, Dibs, made a music video. No, I'm sorry, just a regular video. There's music videos, and then there's videos that you put on things like Instagram, okay? <laughs> so, Kelsey and her dog, Dibs, made a video this week and posted it to her social media accounts announcing her first headlining concert at her hometown's most significant indoor event space. Thompson Bowling Arena seats over 20,000 people. Fun fact, speaking of country music starlets, Miss Strawberry Wine herself, Dina Carter, when she was a student at the University of Tennessee back in the early 1980s, she worked at Thompson Bowling Arena. Bet you didn't know that. So yeah, Kelsey Ballerina, she's going to be playing November 2nd. She's got something set up for her fan club as pre-sales have already started for her fan club members and that's ongoing right now. Tickets for the general public for this November 2nd Kelsey Ballerini appearance is going to be starting ticket sales at 10 o'clock Knoxville time Friday. Just hours away you can get your tickets for the homecoming show is what it's called. She said playing Thompson Bowling Arena has been on her bucket list since she was a child watching her favorite musicians on stage. And she says it is the perfect place to celebrate such a bookmark year and kick off a new level of touring. See you November 2nd, Knoxville. And then she had a orange heart emoji with her post on social media. Kelsey Ballerini. She's had some really good songs here lately, so... You can hear those in person if you can find your way to Knoxville, November 2nd. Now, if you can't make it to Knoxville, November 2nd, and you're setting up your 2024 schedule, you got some good news coming in from George Strait. George Strait and Chris Stapleton and Little Big Town are all teaming up for one heck of a couple of dates. A nine-date stadium tour, Strait, Stapleton, and Little Big Town have set up for 2024. They're going to be playing Indianapolis, Indiana at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's where it all gets going May 4th. They'll be playing in Jacksonville, Florida at the home of the Cyclones, AIM, Iowa. They'll be playing at the home of the Panthers, Charlotte, North Carolina. They'll be in East Rutherford, New Jersey for a concert. Salt Lake City, Detroit, Chicago, and then Strait will expand his long-standing Strait to Vegas show in December of 2024 as he'll be playing at Allegiant Stadium to commemorate his 37th installment of the show, Strait to Vegas. But a bunch of dates. Again, the southern dates, May 11th, he'll be in Jacksonville, Florida. He'll be in Charlotte on June 1st at Bank of America Stadium. And those are his only southern dates listed in this listing of about a dozen places that George Strait... Tickets go on sale for this tour starting 
Friday, September 22nd. You can sign up for pre-sale access at georgestraitconcerts.com. Again, tickets on sale Friday, September 22nd. Although the Jacksonville concert, it says, was going to be on sale starting October, uh, rather, October 20th. I'm sorry. I'm getting my months confused, y'all. Tickets go on sale September 22nd, just a couple of days away. Okay? All right. Tickets on sale Friday, September 22nd. And then for the Jacksonville date, for whatever reason, it looks like you can't get tickets for that concert until October 20th. All right. Now. Now we're, we're talking. But it's still for 2024. I, I don't know if y'all can wait that long to see King George in concert. <laughs> and lastly, Carrie Underwood. You know, we're talking about George Strait going to Vegas. Carrie Underwood will have a Las Vegas residency. And she's got a new song out called Out of That Truck. Wednesday, Carrie Underwood announced 18 new shows for her reflection, the Las Vegas residency. She'll be in Vegas a good bit of 2024 with this residency. She'll be in Vegas March 6th. She'll be there from the 6th through the 16th and then back in May. She'll be there for the last part of the month of May. A couple of dates in August as well. I would encourage you to go to her social media account to get the exact dates, but she'll be playing at the Resorts World Theater next year beginning in March in Vegas. She says she's excited to share that Reflection will be continuing at Resorts World Theater. And you can go see the beautiful and talented Oklahoman Carrie Underwood with Reflection again in Vegas as part of her residency there starting in March of 2024. And if you have a chance, check out that new song, Out of That Truck from Carrie Underwood. Maybe I'll have to find that when we come back from the break and play that because I don't think I've heard it in its entirety. And we're not going to ever deny Carrie Underwood a chance to be played on the y'all show. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour of conversation about the South up with food on our mind. And we've got a listing of things that if you're a Southerner, you dang sure better have in your pantry. Allrecipe.com has got this article up and we'll talk about it when we get back, y'all. song from Carrie Underwood as promised another truck song this time from Underwood I'll take it though good song I like that sound we're back here wrapping up hour two of today's 
Y'all Show with a little information courtesy of Annie Campbell. We're going to talk food courtesy of the website allrecipes.com. Annie has penned an article, 14 foods every Southerner should have in the pantry. So I want you all to go right now to your pantry, stand there with a piece of paper and a pencil, and tell me if you've got these items. If you don't have 13 of the 14 items, we're going to have somebody stop by later and uh, escort you to the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> Number one, you better have in your pantry Duke's mayonnaise. Mm-mm. That's Southern right there if you got Duke's mayonnaise in your pantry. Number two, you better have... If you're a real Southerner, fruit preserves in your pantry. You better have a box of Jello. It, just just one of them. We're not going to pick on you. You need to have it for the congealed salads that I know you want to make and more. Better have that. Better have Ritz crackers in your pantry if you're a Southerner. How about diced pimentos in your pantry? If you're a good Southerner, you you should have cornmeal in your pantry. Cornmeal, that great traditional Southern side item, perfect for catfish and hush puppy batter and more oh you you better have tea bags preferably Louisiana if you're a, a real southerner but yeah if you're going to have tea you, you, you got to have the, the tea bags in your pantry and you, you must have grits in your pantry and the allrecipes.com website points that out as they say grits are as simple and satisfying as comfort foods come in fact, grits are so iconic in southern kitchens, the word is even worn as a nickname by some, meaning girls raised in the south. My good friend Deborah Ford created that phrase. Bourbon. Yeah, you need to have bourbon in your pantry if you're a southerner because, well, bourbon's used in baking, used for making pies and puddings and more. So those are some good things you need to point out. And how about this? You need to have French's crispy fried onions in your pantry for all of those casseroles you want to make. Also in your pantry, you should have Duncan Hines cake mix and Vidalia onions in that pantry if you're going to pass muster as a a real Southerner. These, again, the 14 items every Southerner must have in their pantry. So in addition to Vidalia onions, you need to have Bisquick for blueberry muffin making. Or the southern baking icon, White Lily All-Purpose Flour. Bisquick takes out the step of tirelessly cutting flour with butter or shortening. I'm just telling you what the article says. And then they need to have in the cabinet cream of anything soup. Those are the items from the website allrecipes.com you must have if you're a southerner. The title is actually 14 Foods Every Southerner Should Have in the Pantry. And Annie Campbell has this up at allrecipes.com. It's a fun article. Again, kind of pull out that pen and paper and tell me how many you got. I'll be quite honest with you. I think they're going to be knocking on my door any second now. I didn't have a lot of these on my list. <laughs> I don't have any reason to have bourbon in my cabinet. I don't have any reason to have French's crispy fried onions in my cabinet. I'm not making casseroles anytime soon. And I sure as heck, even though I love the taste of Vidalia onions, I'm not keeping them in my pantry. So deport me if you will, INS. Come on by and send me up to a, a real awful place like Ohio or Michigan or some terrible place like Minnesota, for God's sakes. Please, no. 
No, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll go go. I'll go down to the Piglu Wiggly right now and stock up my pantry with all these items. The website again, allrecipes.com, and a great way to wrap up hour two. When we come back in the third hour of today's y'all show, we've got a look at great festivals going on across the southeast this weekend, including the celebration of Paul Paul. We'll tell you all about it. Stay tuned. Here, final hour of this Thursday show about the Southeast. We are y'all. Good to have you back on as we're working our way through this Thursday. We've got developing stories out of Atlanta and the Georgia election subversion case that Donald Trump and others find themselves in. A hearing today. We'll tell you what's going on in Fulton County Superior Court here momentarily. We'll have other headlines that will fill you in across the southeast today to get involved with the y'all show it's extremely easy to do such a thing all you got to do is reach out to us here on the email address for the show it's mail m-a-i-l mail at y-a-l-l dot com also we have our text line open for all of you any time of day or night if you if the urge hits you you just reach us here at y'all 615-208-4184 that's the 24 7 text line 615-208-4184. In addition to the headlines of the day that we'll have here to start off hour three, we have our Festive South feature. We're going to go through some of the great festivals going on this weekend. Apples will be celebrated in the South this weekend. I'll tell you where. If you have a great desire to go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, this would be a great weekend to go down to Ocean Springs because... It's the local songwriters festival going on in that charming little village just to the east of Biloxi. That's this weekend. I'll discuss here in our festivals going on across the southeast. I'll tell you all about SUP. If you don't know what SUP is, well, I'll tell you what's up, SUP. <laughs> That's not what it stands for. I will tell you what's going on involving that acronym in the mountain state of West Virginia this weekend. Plus, We've got a celebration of Paul Paul going on in the Southeast this weekend. All that is ahead in our Festive South feature coming up in just a few minutes. Plus, before the hour concludes, we've got a look at y'all.com. That's the website that presents this y'all show each and every day. And we've got a look at some of the great stories that are posted there right now at the homepage of the South. You can go and find out what's going on and learn so much. And we encourage you to go to this absolutely free website covering everything Southern. And right there at y'all.com, you can find the Y'all Show podcast. Just look for the tab that says Y'all Show. And we'll be right there with our great show. And you'll be able to listen to all 650 plus episodes of Y'all that we have laid out for you free of charge. 
at y'all.com. And speaking of the ways to listen to our show, in addition to y'all.com, you can get the podcast edition of the Y'all Show as we're available. Just search for Y'all Show and subscribe to us at Spotify, the iHeartRadio app. We're on TuneIn, as well as Apple Podcast and Apple iTunes. Get on board the Y'all train simply by joining up at y'all.com and going over to the other options we told you about where you can subscribe to the podcast anytime that you have the opportunity to do. Now, let's fill you in on what's going on in Atlanta, Georgia today as they have been having a hearing in the Georgia election subversion case and the judge there in Atlanta and the Fulton County Court there Judge Scott McAfee announcing that former President Donald Trump, along with 16 co-defendants, will not go to trial in October with two other defendants in the Georgia election subversion case, but will move forward on their own schedule with a trial date yet to be announced. Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell are co-defendants in this whole indictment that happened back in I guess it would have been August. Those two pushed for a speedy trial, and they're grant they're going to be granted that it looks like as they're going to be scheduled to have trials starting in October. There's a hearing going on today with all these things, but Judge Scott McAfee, the Fulton County Superior Court judge, shut down the effort by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis to have all 19 defendants tried together in October. A spokesperson for Donald Trump with a statement that said, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis's politically motivated wrongful attempt to deny President Trump due process of law by arguing that no severances should be granted has been summarily squashed by the court. Willis's unjust, unjust rush to judgment in order to please her radical political base has simply failed. Now, McAfee did not set a trial date for Trump and those other 16 co-defendants, but the timeline he sets out in a court order means that they wouldn't go on trial before at least December. So, How does this affect Trump's 2024 plans as he's running for office? Well, he's got a lot of other legal issues. I, I thought the whole Willis attempt to have this thing in October was really pushing it. I mean, that's Oftentimes, when somebody brings a, a lawsuit or legal matters to somebody, it happens to they go to court a year, two, three years down the road. It doesn't happen two months later, and especially when nineteen people are involved. I mean, a, a novice could have figured that one out. And Judge Scott McAfee, the Fulton County Superior Court judge seems to be making some sense at least on this particular decision but they're still continuing to have developing action in Atlanta the judge hearing motions and the election subversion case that for at least Trump it won't be until at least a perfect Christmas present perhaps for him to go to court in December I think it'll get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back I think all these cases ultimately will be pushed back till after the election and likely somewhere in the midst of all that, there's an extremely good chance 
one, two, three, or all four of these things might end up being tossed aside. All, again, done as a way to sully Donald Trump. Anything that can be done to help hurt his case, one side of the aisle is willing to do. Now, if he's guilty and there's a smoking gun, then he is no different than any other citizen and should be prosecuted. But you just have to wonder on some of this stuff, is he really guilty? Is he really is are the goods really in on him? Are are they just doing this to make him look bad, make the make the guy look bad? To try to take off some of the heat off of Joe Biden, who really looks bad. We saw Wednesday more and more Democratic voices come out and say, This is not our guy. We need a we need a course change for twenty twenty four. Joe Biden is not going to get us across the finish line. Joe Biden's not going to make it across any finish line. That was the sentiment among some Democrats. There was a writer, I forgot his name, maybe it'll come to me, who had a column out. And he's a guy that evidently Joe Biden listens to. And he he called out Biden and said, you don't need to run. this, This is not a good thing for you. I mean, Joe Biden might even lose to Donald Trump, for goodness sakes, according to some of these people. And he would probably lose to most every of the very high-quality Republican candidates now running for president. Elsewhere in our news headlines of the day, to Nashville we go, and the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, has just come out with a statement that Tennesseans are not going to be forced to be vaccinated and they don't have to wear masks. As he, on Wednesday, said, no new COVID-19 vaccinations in the future required for volunteer state residents. Now, the CDC is recommending this new COVID-19 vaccine, which is now available, and they've recommended people to get the updated shots as the vaccine is targeting the strains currently going around. COVID-19 hospitalizations rose 9% this week. But that's still lower than what it was last winter. And cases in Tennessee are rising of COVID-19. But Wednesday, Governor Bill Lee said there will be no vaccine or mask mandate, saying we learned in the last one the government does not need to tell people how to live their lives with regard to their personal health. Those are decisions they need to make and that's the way it will be going forward for the libertarians of the world they're all rejoicing Tennessee's chief executive with his decision or at least what he says right right now this is this could all change I wondered though to my knowledge we haven't had a single state require the vaccinations in the current round or wearing masks statewide I mean there's probably municipalities that are requiring it but what state in our country, what liberal state is going to jump on this whole mask thing again? Are the forced vaccinations for various things? The state of North Carolina's governor, Roy Cooper, has appointed an appellate judge to be a new North Carolina Supreme Court justice. Allison Riggs is 42 years old, and she now steps onto the highest court in North Carolina. She fills a vacancy that was 
left by a Democrat. So this Democrat, Riggs, now goes into the state Supreme Court of North Carolina where Republicans hold a 5-2 majority in Raleigh on the highest court of the Tar Heel State. Also, First Lady Jill Biden, she's maybe she's there in Atlanta today checking out the proceedings in this election subversion case, but if she's not there in Atlanta at that section of the city in court sitting as a spectator, she is going to be participating in today's Biden Victory Fund political event. That's going on on this Thursday evening in the Atlanta area. And then Friday, on her two-day swing of Atlanta and the Peach State, Jill Biden will be visiting Emory University as part of the administration's cancer moonshot. And she's going there to highlight the launch of the first project funded through the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. And that aims to use technology to train immune systems to fight cancer and other diseases more effectively. So she's got politics and cancer on her mind as she spends 48 hours in the Atlanta area, Jill Biden, this week. And if she's in Atlanta, I wonder where Biden, her husband's going to be. He's been traveling the world, I guess. If I were a betting man, I'm going to say he's probably going to be hanging out at the beach house in Rehoboth this weekend. (laughs) He's there a lot. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The hell they gave Trump for going across the river to Virginia and golfing on a pretty regular basis. Or going to Mar-a-Lago some. And and Biden's... I think he's in Delaware more than he's in Washington, D.C. Now, luckily, that's not all that far, but still, what a waste of government money sending them back and forth to the first state. Kristen Welker grew up just north of Delaware. She's a Philadelphia native, I think, and she is going to be the new host of Meet the Press. And this Sunday, on her NBC debut of hosting this weekly news magazine, President Donald Trump's going to be her guest as she's gone to Trump's Bedminster Golf Club this week and sat down with the 45th president. Trump last appeared on Meet the Press in 2019. So this will be the big interview of the weekend. Kirsten Welker and Donald J. Trump as this thing airs Sunday. And Welker takes over for Chuck Todd, who recently stepped down as the host of Meet the Press. And I wonder if he's stepping down from being on NBC altogether. I, I don't even know that. I don't watch MSNBC, of which he's on there usually or has been in much of the daytime hours. The I think he's a University of Miami alumnus. I know he is from Miami. Chuck Todd. If you're a Delta Airlines Sky Club guest, guess what? Delta Airlines is going to be making some changes starting February 1st of 2025 as the Atlanta-based airline said it plans to cap the number of entries to its Sky Clubs starting on that day in 2025. It's going to cap the number of entries for holders of the American Express Platinum Card as well as the Delta Reserve American Express Card. If you've got a Platinum Card from American Express, you're going to be only allowed six visits a year to the Delta Sky Lounge. Rather, Sky Club. I've never been in one. So I don't know how cool these things are at airports around the world or not. 
but I'll take your word if they are a good thing to go to. If you got the Platinum Card, you're going to be allowed only six visits a year, while Delta Reserve Card holders get 10 annual visits to the Delta Sky Club starting February 1st of 2025. Now, those who book a basic economy ticket are no longer going to be allowed in the lounge starting January 1st, 2024. So, let me just go ahead and warn you, starting in January, if you're flying the El Cheapo route on a basic economy ticket, and after January 1st of 2024, if they catch you at a Delta Airlines Sky Club, it's going to be hell to pay. Oh my God! Attention! Attention! We have someone breaking the Sky Club rules here. Call the police. Call the Delta police. And then you're going to be hauled off to Delta jail if you get caught there <laughs> at one of the airports doing doing time for going into a Sky Club. As I, I said, I've never been in one of those things. I've seen when I've walked past in terminals, I've seen the door for them. But evidently, it must be a pretty cool place to go. Because you can go in and I guess they got food and they got nice comfortable chairs and they have other amenities. Hopefully the amenities in there are better than what they have on Delta Airline planes when you're flying there. But if you get stuck in a layover, uh, this seems like a good option. Now, what's crazy is the news of this change from Delta originally was leaked on a Portuguese language website. So how about that? The Portuguese language was the first language of which this big news was informed to. And then Delta had to confirm it. Come on, Delta. I wish I could cuss them out in Portuguese right now for all of you who take advantage of this. I know for a lot of you, being in these certain clubs, like the Sky Club in this case, is one of your highest honors of life. You know, maybe even more important than having kids. You can show. I mean, I used to work with a guy. He was my partner, actually. And he would always brag about this kind of credit card he's got and this kind of access he's got. And I'm thinking, you still got to pay that credit card bill. I used to have enough stuff on my credit card that I could have had. Is is it the American Express Platinum card that's like black looking? I qualified for that dang thing. But what was crazy is in order to actually get the card, you had to pay money to get it. And I was too cheap to do that. I thought, why do I want to pay extra all this money to get a, a black American Express credit card? But my buddy said, oh, man, you just got to have it. It's the coolest thing. Now, he didn't have one, but he wanted me to get one. And maybe looking back, I should have done it. I should have done it. I should have gotten that darn card because I used to spend a lot of money on a credit card. And pay. It. luckily, I'd pay that thing off at that time back when I was just charging, charging, charging. All business related, by the way. And and I'm a good business person. Uh, at least I think I am. But looking back, it would have been, if I could have just had it for a weekend just to see the reaction. Because I was told by people like bartenders, like, oh my, when you come in and you got one of those cards, we take care of you. Well, does that mean I got to give them like a 100% tip just because I've got this fancy card? I don't know. Didn't have it. Really don't want it. 
and don't want credit card debt. Maybe you do, I don't. And lastly, in our headlines for this hour of the Y'all Show, we will take you to some stories about Deion Sanders. How about Deion Sanders? He and his son Shadur and Shallow are going to star in a new Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Like the Aflac commercials weren't enough with Dion and Coach Nick Saban. Now Dion and his two boys, his second and third oldest sons, Shadur and Shallow, who are playing for him at the University of Colorado, they're now featured in a KFC commercial, which came out Wednesday. This is the first time KFC has worked with the Dion Sanders family as they're promoting the Phillip box and chicken nuggets and they're also serving up new hot and spicy wings. Now, Shadur and Shallow are able to do this as part of their NIL deal, name it, image, likeness. And more Dion, more chicken being sold from KFC. I guess they know what they're doing. Hey, I got to throw this out there, too, while we're talking about food before we go to break. Bucky's, Bucky's, the great gas station out of Texas that has expanded to several southern states. For whatever reason, they skipped over Mississippi when they went and opened up a place on the eastern shore of Alabama, and now they've got them in South Carolina. they got them in Georgia. they got them in Birmingham, North Alabama. But they skipped over Mississippi on the way to these other states. Well, Mississippi, you can breathe easy now because this week Bucky's broke ground on their new travel center in the Gulfport area as the state's first Bucky's location is going to open off of Minge Avenue and Interstate 10 in Harrison County. The president of Bucky's, President Beaver Alpin, I wonder if that's really a if that's really his name. Uh, he spoke at the groundbreaking ceremony in Mississippi. This Bucky's in Mississippi is going to have 74,000 square feet and we'll have 120 fueling stations and 24 EV charging stations, plus plenty of brisket and more. Bucky's founded in Texas in 1982. It currently has 46 stores in Texas and in several other southern states. But Mississippi can now be on the Bucky's bandwagon with this location opening up in the Gulfport and Biloxi area just off of Interstate 10. That's fantastic news, y'all. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we will have, for fun, a look at some of the great festivals going on across the Southeast this weekend, from pawpaws to apples to, we'll tell you what SUP is, as that will be celebrated in West Virginia this weekend. All that on the show that shakes the Southland. Drink, but I'd only be sorry 
Cause drinking doubles alone Don't make it a party Another sleepless night And it's the same old story When you're the only one Babs bringing us back from break. We're back on y'all. Have you ever slept single in a double bed? I don't recommend it. Here on the Y'all Show as we start wrapping up this third hour of our Thursday edition. You don't have to sleep single in a double bed if you go to some of our great festivals across the southeast. You can take a companion or maybe you'll meet a new friend (laughs) if you head off to some of these great places for this mid-September weekend. And let's have a fun time for the next few minutes telling you about our Southern Travel Report where we go through the southeast and tell you about great events for the weekend. So we'll start off in Hudson, Florida this weekend. That's right there in the Tampa Bay area. And at 17362 Old Dixie Highway, Saturday night, if you're in Hudson, Florida, you can go to the Water Lantern Festival. Water Lanterns on Tampa Bay, because that's the name of this festival. The Water Lantern Festival in Tampa Bay. And it happens at Sun West Park in Hudson. And this great state of Florida, that's going down Saturday evening of this what we hope is a great weekend across the southeast this weekend in kentucky this weekend go to the home of bourbon i would give bardstown that title and go to the 2023 kentucky bourbon festival in bardstown that's going on all weekend long some great great bourbon if you're into that kind of drink and the celebration of bourbon and i believe that's in bourbon county kentucky if i'm if i'm not mistaken and in bardstown It's the Kentucky Bourbon Festival this weekend. A lot of people love some Kentucky bourbon, except everybody in Moore County, Tennessee. They like that Tennessee whiskey down in Moore County, Tennessee, home of Gentleman Jack. (laughs) In Frostburg, Maryland this weekend, on the campus of Frostburg State University, it's the Appalachian Festival. Sure enough, Appalachian Mountains, an Appalachian lifestyle, very prominent in the state of Maryland and Frostburg on that campus there, Frostburg State University. You can enjoy a weekend full of Appalachian celebration. Now, let me pull up exactly where Frostburg, Maryland is located in the state of Maryland. I think I know where it is. It is, yes, it's out sort of on the western side. It's way west. If you ever look at the map of Maryland, I'm sure they have a nickname within the state of what they call extremely western Maryland where Frostburg is located. But to even get to Frostburg, if you are on Interstate 70, it looks like, 
you're going to be traveling right beside the Potomac River. And there's a little section of Maryland to go all the way out to Frostburg, for example, that you're going to be traveling right beside the Potomac River where the state of Virginia is just... No, no, no. That's not even Virginia. That's West Virginia. The state of West Virginia is going to be over on your left-hand side as you travel west, and it's going to be a mile or two, you know, just past the, on the other side of the Potomac River. But the state of Pennsylvania is going to be to your right only three or four miles. There's just a little sliver that you can stay in the state of Maryland and not cross into another state in order for you to get to the entire western section of the state. In some ways, the area of Maryland where Frostburg and Cumberland, Maryland, and towns like Oakland, Maryland, they're kind of on an island all to themselves. It's really weird how the topography worked out and the state lines worked out. But Frostburg, Maryland, this weekend, Appalachian Festival. That's in the mountainous portion of the state of Maryland. And you can celebrate Appalachian life with the Appalachian Festival this weekend. In the Mississippi Delta, the exact opposite of Appalachian lifestyle, in Greenville, Mississippi, this weekend at the Washington County Convention Center on Raceway Road in Greenville, Mississippi, Go to the Mississippi Delta Blues and Heritage Festival. That's this weekend at the Washington County, Mississippi Convention Center. A lot of blues celebration and heritage going on in Greenville, which I think I am still correct on this. Greenville is the largest city in the Mississippi Delta. Pretty sure I'm right on that. Of course, their closest competitors would be Cleveland as well as Clarksdale and Greenwood. But I still think Greenville is technically the largest city in Mississippi's Delta. And there in Greenville, the home area of one Shelby Foot and some other great people, the Mississippi Delta Blues and Heritage Festival going on this weekend. Just downriver from Greenville, Mississippi in the state of Louisiana this weekend, head on to Mamou because this weekend on Main Street in downtown Mamou, all weekend long, it's the Mamou, Louisiana Cajun Music Festival. Hey! <laughs> and that's taking place all weekend long. So get you some good Cajun sounds going on in the state of Louisiana. In the state of Missouri this weekend, in Kearney, Missouri, it is the Jesse James Festival. And that is the hometown of the Western outlaw, Jesse James, who was born Jesse Woodson James, September 5th, 1847. So this is his birthday month. And Jesse James, the outlaw and the bank and train robber, as well as a Confederate soldier, as he was raised in the Little Dixie area of Missouri. And he and his brother, had strong southern sympathies and he and Frank joined the bushwhackers that went and fought in Missouri and Kansas they followed William Quantrill and bloody Bill Anderson during the American Civil War then after the war they went west and well you know the story of the James brothers but this weekend in his hometown of Kearney Missouri the old west comes alive and it celebrates Jesse James. Would you consider him a lovable outlaw? Maybe. 
Jesse James Festival in Kearney, Missouri, which again is sort of north central Missouri. This weekend, that event goes on. In Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, this weekend, it is Scott Fest. So get your kilt on and in, and, and get your bagpipes out because in Broken Arrow, it's all about the Scots at Events Park on 101st Street in Broken Arrow. And it's Scotland the Brave is what that one's called. How about in Kodak, Tennessee? Kodak is right around Sevierville and Gatlinburg area. In fact, if you ever go to that area from, let's say, Knoxville, that's the exit that you get off of to go into Sevierville and Gatlinburg. That's where the Tennessee Smokies Baseball Park is, Kodak, Tennessee. And right off of Winfield Dunn Parkway this weekend at the Dumplin' Valley Farm RV Park, it is the Dumplin' Valley Bluegrass Festival that goes on this weekend in Kodak, Tennessee. I wonder how they got the name Kodak for that town. I wonder if the photo place used to have a plant there or maybe, I don't know. We'll have to check that one out. Uh, stay tuned as we say but yeah head there for the Dumplin' Valley Bluegrass Festival before you head on into some fun in Pigeon Forge and Dollywood and more this weekend if you happen to be in East Tennessee this weekend in West Virginia it's the New River Gorge SUP race and that's taking place at Fayette Station Road near Beckley West Virginia in the southern portion of the mountain state New River Gorge is a park and right there at New River Gorge they've got SUP races going on Sunday now what in the heck is an SUP you ask go ahead let me hear you ask it okay I'll answer that question an SUP is stand up paddle boarding and this weekend in West Virginia you can get your SUP on <laughs> as stand up paddle boarding continues to increase in popularity so does stand-up paddleboarding in its racing scene. And there are organizers all over the world putting on some amazing SUP events that help bring fellow paddlers together with night races and poker runs to flat water and open water race series. Stand-up paddleboarding seems to be one of the hot new 21st century activities for a lot of the fitness people. And in West Virginia at New River Gorge this weekend, you can enjoy one heck of a SUP race. Lufkin, Texas at East Texas this weekend. It is the Texas State Forest Festival. So, yeah, this is in the Piney Woods of Texas. And at the Angelina County Exposition Center Saturday, you can get your feel of Texas's forest with the Texas State Forest Festival. Yeehaw! Timber! <laughs> In Hilton Head, on, on Hilton Head, in Hilton Head, however you want to say it, they've got some great songwriting events going on there. It's the Hilton Head Island Jam 2023 Songwriter Festival going on at Low Country Celebration Park on Hilton Head Island. And that's going on really today through Sunday. So go check it out. A beautiful place in the world is Hilton Head Island. And you can mix in that natural beauty with the beautiful music of great songwriting at the Hilton Head Island Jam 2023 Songwriter Festival going on this weekend in the low country of South Carolina. And while we've got songwriting on our mind, I want to let you know that in the great little town of, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm wrong on this. I was told that the Ocean Springs, Mississippi songwriting event was going on this weekend, but 
I've got conflicting dates, so I'm going to skip. I think it's going on next weekend. So apologies, everybody there at Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I'm going to promote your songwriting festival next week here on the show, okay? But we still have the Hilton Head event, and we're proud to tell you about that. This weekend in Lincolnton, North Carolina, which is to the northwest of Charlotte, it's the Apple Festival going down. And how about apples? North Carolina does not factor in as one of the leading producers of apples in America. Washington State does. The number two apple-producing state in America is Michigan, followed by New York, then Pennsylvania. And coming in at number five is the state of Virginia. And Virginia with just about 194 million pounds of apples produced in the country a year. That's almost 2% of our nation's apple volume. That state of Washington has about 62% of all of the nation's apples produced. So we're a little bit behind those people out west (laughs) with apples. But uh, North Carolina is proud of their apples. And in Lincolnton this weekend, you can go have your fill of delicious apples, the red delicious apples and more at the Apple Festival in Lincolnton, North Carolina going down this weekend. How about in Peachtree City, Georgia? This weekend, it's the Shake Rag Festival 2023 on McIntosh Trail in Peachtree City to the southwest of Atlanta. And you ask, what is a shake rag? Why are they having a festival about shake rag? Well, there are two definitions of shake rag. The first definition is shake rag is an unkempt and disreputable person. I'm not a very good person. So I don't think they're going to have a festival for, for losers, which is one definition of a shake rag. The other definition of shake rag refers to a cloth held out as a signal to help stop a train. That must be why they're having this festival in Peachtree City. It has to something to do with trains. And the shake rag used to help stop trains. Interesting, interesting term. And this weekend in, Pen- in Peachtree City in Georgia, you can get your shake rag on, y'all. Fort Smith, Arkansas this weekend. It's the Hispanic Heritage Festival at the Fort Smith Convention Center. That's Sunday, right there on 7th Street, on the edge of the state of Arkansas, right by Oklahoma, is where you'll find Fort Smith, and they're going to be celebrating Hispanic heritage. Fairhope, Alabama this weekend. Love this one. It's Bill E's Bacon and Oyster Music Festival going on in Fairhope. And this is at Bill E's Small Batch Bacon in Fairhope. This is an actual business. And I went to their website and listen to this. This is their statement on the website for Bill E's Small Batch Bacon. Like other artisanal foods made in smaller quantities, the flavor of Bill E's Small Batch Bacon is something special. It makes regular mass-produced bacon taste like, well, regular mass-produced bacon. (laughs) From the small family farms where the pigs are raised, to the premium ingredients used in curing, Bill E. doesn't cut corners. In fact, his bacon is so delicious and beloved, local songwriters serenade every batch where it's smoked in Fairhope, Alabama. And this weekend in Fairhope, it's the Bill E.'s Bacon and Oyster Music Festival on the eastern shore of Alabama. That, that sounds delicious and entertaining all together. Check it out in Fairhope this weekend. If you're able to get to 
Powhatan, Virginia this weekend. It is the Paw Paw Festival. And this is the last one of the festivals going on across the South this weekend that we're going to spotlight. Paw Paw in Powhatan, Virginia at the Powhatan State Park. Paw Paw Festival. What is a Paw Paw? Is that your lovable grandfather? No, 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 no. Paw Paw is a edible fruit tree native to North America, specifically in the eastern portions of the United States, though you often find them near the coast. Paw Paws are a tree, and they have this delicious fruit. Sometimes called an Indian banana, the pawpaw tree is a favorite of gardeners across the South because of its dark green foliage, tropical appearance, and abundant fruit. And they have tropical characteristics that make them seem like they would be happier closer to the equator. But pawpaw trees thrive in the South's temperate climates and delicious forests, or deciduous forests, rather. <laughs> they can be a source of seasonal color because of the fact that their leaves turn bright yellow in autumn. And then their brown velvety flower buds open to deep burgundy flowers from March to May. Pawpaw trees can grow about 30 feet tall, and their oval-shaped fruits are about 35 inches long. And then they ripen to brown. And this weekend in Virginia, at Powhatan, Virginia, it's the Pawpaw Festival. Y'all got any pawpaws out in your yard or in your garden or wherever they might want to have them? Sounds like a pretty dang good option now that I've told you all about them and this weekend in Virginia there's a heck of a celebration going on of pawpaw so get your granny and your pawpaw and head over to Powhatan Virginia and y'all just dine and and celebrate pawpaws not the grandfather but the the actual thing the tree the fruit you get me yeah yeah follow me (laughs) how about that learning about pawpaws on this Thursday edition When we come back on y'all, we're going to close this thing out for the day. We've got a look at some stuff going on on the website, allaboutthesouthyall.com. We will tell you about it when we come back on the show, All About the South, the Y'all Show. Shining bright, edge of the water, we were feeling all right. Back down a country road, the girls are always hot and the beer is ice cold. All right, we're going to wrap up this Thursday Y'all Show here now with a look at what's at y'all.com, which helps present our show each and every day. Y'all is the South's homepage. And if you go there now, you'll find a great article we've just posted. Mapping Road Trips with Kids, Eight Great Ideas for Family Adventures. As Martin Brooks has got this really broken down into some theme-based road trips that you can take with the family. How about a state and capital challenge for your family vacation? Never too early to start your plan for maybe next summer. And you can go to y'all.com and get some great ideas that Martin's got there on the article Mapping Road Trips with kids eight great ideas for family adventures niles reddick has just penned the great article about donna fargo we got that posted at y'all.com plus we've got great stories about florida staying cool and how to bring southern charm to your neighborhood organizing a block party yeah that will be 
quite southern of you to do that. That plus a whole lot more. The Y'all Show also, also posted at y'all.com. Check it out. The South, the South's homepage is y'all.com. That will wrap up this Thursday Y'all Show. Thank you for being a part of our fun. Y'all have a great rest of your day and keep on listening to the show that shakes the Southland. Oh, never gonna grow up. <laughs> never gonna slow down. We were shining like lighters in the dark in the middle.